Welcome to the new neighborhood. We are excited to highlight innovative early childhood work taking place in communities across the country. In each episode, we'll be talking to people who are building a new sense of community, supporting young children and their families, and focusing on equity right from the start to create a generation where all children and their families thrive. I'm Kaylin O'Connor. And I'm Sanaa Sharif, and we are your co-hosts for this third season of The New Neighborhood. It's been a while. Remind our listeners who we each are. I am a senior associate at the Center for the Study of Social Policy. I work on a few different projects related to young children and their families. I'm recording this from my home office in Madison, Wisconsin, which is the traditional lands of the Ho-Chunk Nation, where it was called Tijope, which means Four Lakes. Gotcha. I'm Sanaa Sharif. I am a parent liaison for Ready for School, Ready for Life on the Parent Leadership Career Pathway. I'm also a lead family consultant for Prevent Child Abuse North Carolina, and I operate in several spaces providing family voice on behalf of children, very young children, for equitable outcomes. And I am tuning in from Guilford County, North Carolina, home to the Shara, the Kiawe, and several other tribes. Great. So since this is our first episode of a new season, um, we're not actually having guests today. We're just going to talk with each other and kind of catch up on what's going on in this work around local early childhood system building and what we've been up to. So the first thing is really exciting news that Sanaa and I got to meet in person this year for the first time. Yes. In March, we were out in California for a Parent Leader Network Summit and a meeting of our EC-Link Network, which stands for Early Childhood Learning and Innovation Network for Communities. So Sana, do you want to talk about what the Parent Leaders did at the PLN Summit? I most certainly do. I had the awesome opportunity to listen to parents across the nation talk about telling your story. And the workshop was about teaching parents how to share stories in order to shape policies from a local level all the way to a systems level. It was really awesome. I had a chance to lead a workshop on resume building skills for parent leadership as a career pathway. So I know in the past you all had done a few of these summits uh, virtually, and so this was really cool to be in person. How did that feel different and what was the planning like for it? I think the biggest difference was just being able to connect with people on a personal level. You know, Zoom tends to be pretty impersonal from time to time, even though we get a lot of work done. There's nothing like seeing a person stand at 4'2", who you maybe thought was six feet tall or vice versa, and being able to share authentic and genuine smiles and build authentic conversations that happen organically outside of that um that electronic space, if you will. It took several months to plan the summit. We all had different ideas. So we did a lot of voting, which is part of the duties of the steering committee. We vote, we share ideas, we um, ask each other what we all think and feel about the work we're doing. And the summit is no different than that. So what would you say was the highlight of the summit for you? meeting people in person, specifically meeting you. We have worked together on this podcast for quite some time. And this was the first time, as you said, that we've gotten to meet each other in person. I thought that was really awesome. I agree. That was a great hug. (laughs) (laughs) Well, how about you? What's been going on with you? 
Well, we were there in California for an EC Link meeting, and it was not the first in-person meeting that EC Link had had since the pandemic. There was an in-person meeting uh, last summer, which we should have met at, but I had to miss that for family reasons. And so it was really nice for me to see everybody again. I thought it was really cool to have the EC Link meeting happening at the same time and in the same space as the PLN meeting, although we did figure out that that wasn't ideal in some ways because we usually have members of the Parent Leader Network Steering Committee in the EC Link meeting, but there were times we were in separate meetings and then the time we were together was fantastic. So we still have to work out the logistics of that for future meetings, but it was really good. A lot of the time that we spent was on looking at an anti-racist early childhood policy platform that CSSP has created, and we can put a link to that in the show notes. So we took that policy platform, which Actually, when you first look at it, the policies might all seem like they're more relevant at the federal or national level, but there are implications for state and local work. So we went through that talking with the community representatives about what their organizations are doing in each of these policy areas or who they're partnering with in their communities that are more in the lead on some of those. And it was really enlightening. It brought up some things that we don't often talk about. And it also reinforced things that we talk about all the time that are really specific to the early childhood system building work. So I really enjoyed that. Oh, wow. That sounds awesome. Well, how was the planning for that meeting and how was it different from the PLN meeting? So for the EC Link meetings, we it's mostly planned in a partnership with CSSP staff and then our EC Link advisory committee, which includes I won't say the numbers right if I say them. So I'll just say it includes representatives of a few EC Link organizations and then parents who are part of the Parent Leader Network. And um, we've actually just made a change to make that more formal that the parent leaders who are on that EC Link Advisory Committee are also on the PLN Steering Committee. Sorry about the intricacies of these acronyms and things, but just really trying to make sure that that helps to keep those two networks and our work in alignment. So the EC Link meeting is smaller than the PLN meeting. We had probably 15 to 20 people in the room um, on the EC Link side where the PLN was a much larger group. Um, I would also say the PLN group is very energetic <laughs> in a way that we sometimes don't have in our more, I don't know how to say it, our conversations that are you know really focused on policy and everyone's very focused on the work. There's less of the personal side brought in, although we always appreciate uh, being reminded by the parents that we are all human beings as well as uh, whatever we are in our jobs. And that's that's a really positive thing to bring in to those meetings. But it was really positive. Um, we had a half day where we were with the PLN and EC Link together, and that was focused on communication strategy and how we can tell the story about early childhood system building and why parent voice is so important to that. Um, and I think that went really well. It was great to have everybody in the room together. Well, Kaylin, thank you for sharing all of that. <sighs> I tell you, I have so many questions these days. With all the conversations that we have about children and their families, sometimes I just grapple with what family really means, you know? Yep. What are some of the different definitions that are floating around for you? You know, when I look at basic definitions of family, uh, it starts off with a group of one or more parents and their children living together as a unit or all the descendants of a common ancestor, right? 
as time changed, as words change and definitions change and the deliberate, intentional leaning into diversity, equity, and inclusion, you know, those definitions tend to change over time. And so what I've seen in other spaces is a group of two or more persons related by birth, marriage, or adoption who live together. A family could be kinship parents. And there are just a lot of different characteristics that define family. I think it's important for people to kind of get familiar with what that looks like and what that means so that everyone can feel included as family. I totally agree. And I think also just being open-minded. So if someone tells you who their family is, that's not for you to question. And if we just say you and your family are welcome, we mean whoever they define as their family. Um, And sometimes I think we do some gatekeeping unintentionally, but just being like, oh, I didn't mean your great aunt, you know, but (laughs) your great aunt is your family and that's who you live with or who you turn to for support, then that's your family. And that's really important that great aunt, whoever gets to be at the table and be part of the potluck or whatever it might be. (laughs) I totally agree with that. What's on your mind lately with this work? Um, I think something that has been coming up over and over again in every project I'm involved in is just the political climate that is really not supportive of a lot of the work that we want to do and help others do in states where you're not supposed to be using the word equity or, um, you know, we have seen some high profile people get fired because of materials they were sharing from organizations like ours that emphasize equity and diversity work. And I'd say even like two or three years ago, I would have said, I wouldn't back down from using those words because I think it's so important. And right now I'm saying, I need to back down a little bit from always using those words or insisting on those words because it keeps people from being able to use our stuff when they want to do this important work. And so I've just been thinking a lot about how we don't lose any ground on our values, but find ways to facilitate people doing this work that can close disparities, lift people up who have not been lifted up before and all of that work that's so important without necessarily using the words that trigger um, a certain type of reaction these days in certain states. And I'm really wrestling with that because I'm uncomfortable backing down from some of those words. And yet I know, I know colleagues in those states who are saying, I want to be able to keep using this. I don't want to get fired for using this. How do I, um, how do I continue to do this important work? And so I think part of that in a positive way is pushing us to really say what we mean without using buzzwords. So an example would be if we're talking about being more clear about the difference between child neglect and a family living in poverty. Talking about that is really about closing disparities in our child welfare system and removing the bias and who gets their kids removed for reasons of poverty where it's labeled neglect. That is all about anti-racism. That's all driven by equity, but we can talk about it without using those words when we need to. So I just gave it away, uh, but I don't think anybody who's <laughs> who's the the censoring people are listening to us right now. Um, that we can talk about that. And I don't think anyone can say, 
Right. When, when a family is struggling out of, for reasons of, of poverty, that is not a reason to remove the children. That's a reason to provide resources. And neglect is a different thing than just not having the resources. So um, when we talk about it in those ways, I think we can continue to make progress on important work, but it still hurts me a little bit to not <laughs> be able to say why or, or who that has the most um, implications for. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. I think it's important to lean into not necessarily using buzzwords for the sake of using them, just making sure that we're speaking directly to the work we want to do. Like you said, that's extremely important. Uh, it helps get through the red tape, doesn't it? It does. I hope it does, because I don't know what else we can do right now. Yeah. Uh, I hear there's a hub. <laughs> it's true. We just launched a new hub on our website, which has a really cool name. It's called The New Neighborhood, um, <laughs> using the same name as the podcast. It's a resource hub all about local early childhood system building. We will, of course, put that link in our show notes. And if you go to that link, um, you'll find a map showing some of the networks of early childhood system builders, uh, EC Link, and then other networks that we work with. And it'll have rotating and updated resources at different times about ways you can advance this work in your community and good examples of what people are doing in communities. So what we're doing on this podcast, there's a ton more out there. Um, a lot of it are written resources, some videos, things like that. We're going to always be promoting those on the New Neighborhood Resource Hub on our website. That sounds good. Well, as you know, Kaylin, in the past, we've asked all our guests, what do you think the secret sauce is to making a community a great place to raise a child? So this season, we're asking about the secret sauce or a special ingredient. What do you think it is? You know, I'm staring at you like I'm a deer in the headlights as if I didn't know we were going to ask each other this. <laughs> no, I think, and I did not go back and listen to what I said last year because it might be the same or it might be different. But what I'm saying today is relationships. I think the magic or special ingredient is um, that adults who are taking care of kids have strong relationships around them whether that's with their family, however they define it, their friends, the service providers that they interact with, and they then have what they need to build strong relationships with their kids. And then their kids have what they need to be positive participants in their communities and build relationships with the other people around them. So that's what I'm sticking with, relationships. How about you, Sana? What do you think is the secret sauce or special ingredient? I totally love that relationships. And I think that I will take it in the direction of intentionality. I think it's very important that people add intention that is in the direction of what they say they're going to do. So for example, choosing not to necessarily use words just to use the words or check off a box, right? But to specifically work toward the goals that those words define, right? So if you show up to make sure that children are not being removed because of poverty, for example, the work that you do, make sure that those families are getting those resources and that doesn't just talk about it for the sake of it sounding good or for the sake of impressing others, right? So I hope I'm not stepping on any toes, but if I am, I hope you get some different shoes and <laughs> focus on leading with intention. Love that. 
Well, is there anything else you want to share before we wrap up this first episode? Well, I do want to say that I'm very happy to be here with you again this season. And I hope that our listeners are just as excited about this season as we are. I agree. Couldn't have said it better. Thank you for listening to The New Neighborhood. Be sure to check the show notes for links and additional information about some of the things we talked about today. And please join us next time for more insights into how communities are coming together to create new neighborhoods and support early learning and development. This limited series podcast is a production of the Center for the Study of Social Policy. For more information or to contact us, visit us online at www.cssp.org.